Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Right, today we have someone called John joining us. So we met John a number of years ago. He came to Israel with us, and uh, it was a phenomenal trip. We were just saying before we started recording that, that one of our highlights was when he prayed for all the young people when we were on Mount Carmel. Yeah. Um, it's one of our highlights about these trips is you get to meet people that some of them you already knew, they're, they're friends from around the world who get to then come together and meet each other. But then there's also people like you as well who come that we didn't know before. And uh, it's just a, a great time of getting to know each other and, and finding out more about what you're, what you're all up to in your different corners of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So for those listening, could you just say a bit about who you are uh, and what you do? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, my name's Pastor John Hemans and uh, I pastor a church here in Liverpool, which is southwestern Sydney, not Liverpool, England, southwestern <laughs> Sydney. And uh, um, yes, we're a, uh, I've been pastoring the church for nearly 10 years now. We're a uh, spirit-filled church with a strong emphasis on the prophetic and also on evangelism. And, um, yeah, I, I do have to mention that that trip to Israel was a, a highlight of all the travelling that I've done. We, on the way over there, we were thinking of it as a bit like a holiday, but it was a deeply uh, spiritual experience for us and we really appreciated how it went. And, um, yeah, so our, um, our, our church is, is growing quite strongly at the moment and, um we feel like uh, our church is being raised up as a prophetic voice for our city and we're really pursuing revival for our city. And, um, and yeah, God's doing some really good things. What's, what's the current state of play um, there? I mean, I know a lot of the world's still in lockdown. Some people are starting to come out of lockdown. Uh, and what has the impact been on, on the church during these last couple of months? It's been pretty interesting here. Um, I don't think our lockdowns were as severe as, for instance, the United Kingdom or the United States, um, and particularly my wife's family's from Malaysia, and they weren't even allowed to step outside the front door, so mm. that was pretty full on. Here in Australia, you could still travel to and, and from your place of work if you couldn't work from home. Um, they shut down a lot of stuff for a brief period. It's starting to open up again now, like, for instance, in our church, we're allowed to have 50 people in the building plus our tech team, um, whereas three weeks ago it was like we were only allowed to have 10 people plus tech team. We probably had more tech team than we had actual people in the congregation. Um, but the I would have to say that for our church, I can't speak for all the churches in our area, obviously, but for our church it's been uh, a real time of, being confronted by some of the idolatries that we allow into our lives, like Australians are sports mad, myself included. <laughs> and when all the sports shut down, I was like, you know, John, you probably miss this stuff a little bit too much. And so I, I, I believe for most of our church, it's been a real maturing process and a process of going deeper into the things of the Lord. And um, as we've started to gather it, together again you just feel such a an increase in the presence of the lord because people are so hungry to see things happen we've we've we've, it feels like we've had our priorities put back into the right perspective 
It's interesting you say it's been a time where we remove the things that have become idols in our lives. It, it is when you're when these things are stripped away, it, it, it becomes a stark reality of what's important to you and what isn't and what should be important and what isn't. Exactly right. Yeah, We've, I mean, yeah that's for sure. As a ministry and individuals, it, it was a time to stop and say, okay, we need to reassess just about everything. And, uh, yeah. and it's been good. When you said um, your church is prophetic, focus on prophetic and evangelism, right? I think many mm -hmm. people will understand what it means to be focused on evangelism, but there are many that will go, well, what does it mean for a church where the prophetic is in the DNA of the church? What does that look like? Why is it there? What, talk to us about that, can you, John? Well, you know, when you when you look at the um, the, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit in First Corinthians twelve, and uh, my position on that is that all of those gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to every believer as the Holy Spirit distributes at your point of need. So, for instance, if I if I walk out my front door and somebody falls over and breaks their leg in front of me, they probably need the gift of healing expressed rather than a prophetic word. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is free to to do whatever he wants in in that situation. I think it's First uh, Corinthians 14 where Paul says he, he really has this desire that everybody should prophesy. And so um, our church has an emphasis on becoming sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's prophecy that uh, while tongues and some well, tongues in particular will build up the individual, the Bible says it's prophecy that builds, edifies the church. And so um, it can be tricky to navigate because people are learning how to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit for themselves and also for the direction of the church. And you'll always get a couple of red herrings and you'll always get um, some challenges to it. And a lot of, I think a lot of pastors are, are a little bit scared to embrace it because um, people can come out with some strange things. But if you're prepared to step up to the plate and say, look, I don't really think that's from the Lord. Maybe we can go back over this later and, and see where perhaps you might not be quite hearing you're still developing that sense of hearing from the Lord. So it can be a little tricky, but um, when you start to get um, some unity in the things that have been released prophetically, it can really strengthen your sense of direction in where you feel God is taking the church. So, um, but really making, uh, having an emphasis that every individual believer as a son or daughter of God has um, an access to the voice of the Holy Spirit to hear for themselves. And of course, um, that needs to be discipled. Otherwise, you know, it can, um, it can drift off into some rather strange areas. But if it's discipled, well, um, I believe it's an important part of the maturing of every Christian. So I hear a few keys in there as to the potential for this to grow healthily in a church because um, we travel for many churches so we've probably seen not at all but a lot you've seen so, some pretty <laughs> yeah, i'm sure you have some I'm interesting sure stories have. when it comes to uh the prophetic <laughs> and people not not quite getting it but we say to them that it says to practice the gifts of the holy spirit so you don't have to be perfect straight away <laughs> i hear some no that's right 
from what you said. There were some words that you said there. One was disciple. Mm -hmm. um, the other one was how you address it in the spirit of encouragement. And, and I hear in that too, the pastoral side of who, who you are in that, in coming yeah. in. And, and how you're helping people in that direction. There was another word that I've forgotten. But, but so it's not, so I'm, it's not just saying, oh, well, we release it, but there's a whole nurturing that comes with it. Oh, the other thing I thought was there's a certain boldness and a certain daring to release it. Because I think unless you've got that um, self-assurance, yeah, well. and, and we're going to release this and if it goes wrong, we'll pick up the pieces and this is how we do it. So there's many dynamics yeah. in what you said there. Yeah, it's been a, um, it's been a steep learning curve. Um, uh, but the, the idea that, uh, that this is a process that can be discipled, I think, is really important. Um, and a lot of people have, a lot of people confuse, I believe, the, um, the gift of prophecy with the office of the prophet. Hmm. Um, and so the gift of prophecy, uh, you know, comfort, edification, exhortation, um, they're the parameters around which we teach the gift of prophecy, um, whereas the office of the prophet is, um, carries a lot more weight, carries a lot more authority. It's governmental in a sense. And uh, so, um, but the first step is, is always developing that sensitivity to the voice of the Lord. And uh, I, I, I really believe it's fundamental to the, 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 um, the Christian life in the sense that God never intends us just to wander through life um, living out of principles, which of course are incredibly um, important in the Word of God, but the living active Word of God um, needs to be given expression and if it's genuine, it will always be backed by the Word of God, the written Word of God. And that's part of the discipling process for growing in prophecy is that you're always saying, okay, what you've heard, does it, is it backed by the Word of God? And I always give the example because I've actually known about this particular, uh, one particular situation that just blew me away that anybody could think it was God where somebody involved in ministry felt that the Holy Spirit was telling them to divorce their wife and go off with this other lady that they met as part of ministry. And, and I just said, look, that unequivocally was not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not double-minded and he doesn't contradict himself on those principles. And so um, it didn't happen in our church, but I, I knew one of the people involved and it was just, it was, uh, I thought it was devastating, really. It was devastating for the people around and the families and all that sort of thing. So you really have to be, um, if you're, it's one of the reasons why I think pastors get a bit scared of the prophetic. And I think people have a, a, a wrong understanding. They read all the, the things in the Old Testament. How in the Old Testament, if the prophet got it wrong, you take him outside the village and kill him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if they released the wrong word. Whereas in the, under the New Covenant, we have that freedom to grow in these gifts of the Spirit and giving that expression is the opportunity to grow and getting people to step over the chicken line, if you like. Um, you know what the chicken line is? 
No. Um, so you're basically drawing a line in the sand and on this side you're a chicken, on that side you're an eagle. At some point you've got to step over and take flight instead of just, you know, bakak, 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 around the around the chicken yard. <laughs> Sometimes it's hearing the voice of God is like, it needs to be just in our DNA as, as a lifestyle, really, because we, we're in relationship with the living God. We don't yeah. want to puzzle him and run one-way conversation, well, one-way dialogues with him, us to him and not him to us. But um, yeah. one of the things I think that we see happens and happens a lot is somebody will say, well, God told me to do this or to say that, and it goes horribly wrong. And I right. can say to people, you are, you, there are three questions to ask when you hear from God. There isn't just what did he say or what did he do? Or what did he tell mm. you to say or what did he tell you to do? It's when did he tell you to say it? And when did he tell right. you to do it? And how did he tell you to say it? How did he tell you to do it? So yeah. unless you have those three dynamics, things can go horribly wrong. And then it gives this whole hearing from God a, a terrible name. But... We so often say to churches, if a thing goes wrong, as it were, the idea, the point isn't to abandon it if it's biblical, it's to readdress it and bring it back to centre where it needs to be, where if too often people... It isn't biblical. Yeah, too often people just run away from it. I mean, they yeah. do it with the prosperity yeah. gospel, they do it with lots of things, so they just abandon it. Yeah, it goes goes to extremes. The the, the yeah the, the prosperity gospel is a is a another really good example where you know you read throughout where the God the God promises provision and to take that from this promise of provision into a realm where every Christian should be driving a red Ferrari is right. <laughs> you know it's an example of those sorts of extremes and it's expressed in the prophetic as well, unfortunately. Sometimes and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's important that um, that those things are addressed. That um, timing, tone, um, particularly when you're talking about the gift of prophecy, is this going to edify, encourage? Is it going to be an exhortation? Is it going to bring comfort to the person that I'm going to release this word to? Because if it's not, um, then there's probably an issue there. And and then, of course, you've got the... I've got a friend of mine um, in Brisbane who's got a, a quite a prophetic church up there, and then you've got the car park prophecies between males and females where, you know, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that you're the one for me and <laughs> those sorts of issues that have to be addressed. Yeah. We, we had a friend yeah, who... He now lives in Asia, but he, he was in England. And at one point, he was in leadership of our church. And at one point, he had five different women all saying, God's told me that you're the one. <laughs> He's like, well, at least yes. you're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the classic example. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. So yeah. let's yeah. move forward a bit. So we're looking on our computer one day as one does, and looking through Facebook, or you were? I think I was looking through Facebook, and um, yeah, I mm. saw someone who I'm connected with on Facebook, who I'm sure doesn't know you, had shared a video of you. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh what's this? So I clicked right. on to see what was going on, 
And um, it was your part one of the prophetic word that you'd got for the US. And I was right. ripped. Um, listening to it, I was like, oh man, this is, this is wild. Um, it sounds spot on. And then I said to mum, I was like, hey, have you, have you heard this from John? She was like, heard what? I said, you might want to check this out. So I sent them to her, part one and part two. <laughs> But, but I mean, it, it has, by the looks of it, gone like wildfire. So I, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. I think your first video has got, I think it's like 30,000 people have seen it or something like that. And it, um, no, actually, it's uh, today, if you count, because I, I put it in two places on Facebook and on YouTube. Ah. And on, um, on Facebook, it's got 231,000. Wow. And on um, on on YouTube, it's got another thirty thousand or so. Yeah. I, I, just, I couldn't believe it. I've, I've done little videos for different things in the past, and never got more than one hundred and forty views. But when I got that prophetic word, there's a, a a prophet here in Australia. His name's Adam Thompson, who I know quite well. He, he and Adrian Bill wrote this book called The Divinity Code to Understanding Dreams and Visions. And they minister all around the world. And I was talking to Adam about how we were going to set this conference up in September if there was still going to be a lockdown. And part of the conversation I shared with him this 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 vision that I'd had. And he said to me, John, that's a governmental level vision. You need to release it publicly. And so when I did the little five minute video in my studio, I was like, I think some of my friends in America will be encouraged by this. And then you know, two hours later, it's got 500 views and Adam's texting me and he's gone, you know, this, this could reach a couple of thousand views, John. And then uh, as, as we <laughs> went back and forth on messenger during that week, it just kept going and going and it's still going now. So um, to have something that the Lord gave me reach 200, like a quarter of a million people, it just it blows my mind. But obviously it struck a chord and I believe it was a, it really was a word in due season for the church in the US and um, it's, a, yeah, it's just, just blew me away to see that sort of response. It's such troubled times and we, we really need to be hearing from the Lord for ourselves, for our families, for our churches, for our communities, but at a national level as well. I yeah, I think that that's, I think when I listened to it, that's why it gripped me. I was like, this is a, for such a time as this word, like this is uh, right on. And um, for those listening, could you, is it possible for you just to summarize sort of your part one and part two for those that haven't heard it? Yeah. Um, so in, in part one, it was like I was seeing uh, the globe, but with a kind of honed in on a map of the United States of America. And I saw these two giant figures that appeared to be made out of granite. Um, so I would associate that with strong men. And one was, I, I could see one was named um, fear, and the other one was named hatred. And every now, uh, it, it, repeatedly, they would run full pelt at each other. And when they collided, um, there, there was um, fire and shrapnel and bits of rock and just, chaos being released out of these collisions all over the United States of America. And then I saw a smaller figure come between them dressed in white. 
um, who I understood to be the remnant church, the church that's really pressing in in prayer and fasting and intercession. And, um, and I saw that figure stretch her arms out um, to hold the two, the, 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 these two giant figures at bay, fear and hatred, through her prayer and fasting and intercession. And as that was happening, a stream of people were being released out of this chaos. And um, so that was, that was part of it. And then it was as if I pulled back and saw a larger view of the globe. And you know those, um, I don't know if they use them in England, but here in Australia, if you're looking for a dog to be, to patrol the perimeter of your factory or whatever, you usually use a Doberman because they've got a reputation for being quite vicious. And so I saw these uh, Dob like Doberman attack dogs and they were, they were restrained by chains, um, some in Southern Europe, some in the Middle East and some particularly in China. And I felt that the Lord was saying to me that these were the dogs of war. And if the church did not rise up into her kingdom assignment to make sure that this wave of chaos was turned back in the United States, that those dogs of war would be released against the US. Um, so that was part one of the vision. And in, um, in, in part two, and I really didn't expect a part two, um, but a few days later, I, I was at home just in my quiet time and I felt like I was being taken back to that place. But this time, um, I was, it was as if I was much closer to the picture and the focus was on the, the remnant church, that white figure, the figure dressed in white, standing there holding fear and hatred apart. And as I looked at her feet, um, I saw that she was actually, her feet were on ice, like on a very slippery surface. And as I was watching, a crevasse opened um, beneath beneath her feet. When I looked up the word crevasse later on, I realised that it, unlike a crevice or a crack in the rock, a crevasse is specific to ice, and that's the word that I heard, crevasse. Um, and as it was splitting apart and, and she was shaking, simultaneously every now and then that level of ice that she was standing on would drop a few feet sort of like um if you've ever been in an elevator that drops just a, a couple of inches and it's everybody kind of looks at each other because they're they're startled by what has just happened and then they continue what they're doing i saw this series of jolts and and i heard the lord saying that um these jolts were being um caused because the fire of God was coming back to the church and it was burning away from underneath this false foundation of the cold, dead church that was prayerless and wasn't, wasn't engaged in those things like fasting and intercession and the prophetic and declaring and decreeing and those sorts of things. And that, um, that eventually it was going to hit bedrock and the foundation of the church would be more established and that... Um, that as the church repented, fasted, prayed, interceded, that God's kingdom destiny was still very much um, alive in the United States for the United States kingdom destiny. So that was, um, yeah, that was part two. And, um, yeah, it really kind of um, it shook me up because I'm dual U.S. Australian citizen and I've got a heart for the U.S. and I've been there many times over the years and, uh, and the U.S. is not the place that I remember it was 
even 10 years ago. Right. It's been such a, a, a terrible shift um, away from a culture that was, in my parents' day, very much centred on God and, and godly lifestyles, godly living. Um, but these days it's, um, it's not in a good space. It's not in a good place, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I, I, I was partly gripped by it. One, partly because of what you just said. Um, I mean, we travel to the US a lot and have a heart for the nation and lots of friends there. And so there's partly that. And partly then I also started thinking, wow, what's the impact then onto the UK? Because normally with the US and the UK, what happens in one place spills into the other and vice versa. Same here. Yeah, Same here. So yeah. It's like, wow, this is this is not just a word for the US. This is this is global impact. What what could potentially come out of this, positive or negative? Yeah. Um, so yeah. what what thoughts? Because people might hear that and go, well, that's the word for the for the US. Um, so what have you got any thoughts or insight into? You know, what does that mean for the church outside of the US? What should we be doing to to stand with uh, with the people in America? Uh, I'd say it has a broader application um, for the church around the world, particularly in the West. It's the West that's really kind of lost our bearings. Um, when I see um, when I see footage of people trying to tear down statues of Winston Churchill in the United Kingdom because he's supposedly a racist, um, when I see Black Lives protests. Um, here in Australia, and they're trying to tear down Captain Cook, for instance, the guy who who was um, originally, you know, discovered um, in white terms, Australia. When I see these things being taken down in our history, it's as if there's an attempt being made to rewrite history along very anti-Christian lines. I believe that it's a time of crisis for the church in the West specifically, and the church has got so far away from the things that are important to God, like um, waiting on the Lord, um, spending time worshipping, taking the time limits off what God can do in a service, um, forgetting about what we in Australia would call smart church, you know, the countdown clocks and, Let's have three quick worship songs and, you know, a 15-minute message and everyone goes home to lunch to watch NFL in America or rugby league here or cricket in the UK or, you know, all, all those things. So simultaneously, while all this is going on around the world, that lockdown because of COVID-19 has almost forced the church to take stock. And I believe that there's a prophetic call to the church saying, look, wake up wake up. If, if you want to continue in freedom, if, if, if you want to see your nation represent God well, it's the church that's going to have to rise and not rise in protests and things like that, but, but going boldly into the throne room of heaven and saying, Lord, we are your people and you've called us to expand your kingdom. Forgive us for putting other things before that. Yeah, I believe in, in the the limited discussions we've had with people from different nations the general perspective that we get with this COVID-19 that people feel that this was not so much about the world but it was about the church a call for the church yeah. to wake up 
Um, yeah, amen. So, you know, people say, is it the judgments? No, this, I'm just telling you the general feeling of, of where we hear it. No, this is about a wake up call for the church. And I think I see the seeds of it being that, but it needs, it needs a lot more than a few seeds. Yeah, one person we spoke to said, if this is a judgment, it's not in his perception. He said, if this is a judgment, this isn't a judgment on the world. This is a judgment on the church. Um, so well, this is, it's very interesting. And even in the UK, um, you know, there was, there's, it started as, you know, we're doing this for the, the health of the nation. We're going into lockdown. And um, I think with the UK, when they just started to open up non-essential shops, but yet the church is still not allowed to meet, suddenly pastors across the nation are starting to wake up, say, hang on a second, there's, a, there's something going on here where there's a, an oppression of the church when clearly other people are allowed to do things when they're not essential and the church is not yeah. seen, is not even seen as essential um, and yeah. so low in the government's head that it's not even a non-essential level. It's not even mentioned. It's yeah. not even mentioned. Um, so, so there are some thought. in the UK starting to wake up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would think uh, it's not quite at that level here. We have a, um, we have a Christian prime minister um, and obviously in any democracy, um, you're limited by party politics and things like that, but he is, a, he is genuinely a, a, a Christian man. Um, and as restrictions have eased, um, the church hasn't been far behind in having its restrictions eased as well. But I certainly understand the concerns in the UK if you've got things like strip clubs and all sorts of non-essential services opening up and yet your local church cannot meet even with social distancing applied. Um, it's obviously a, a deeper force at work that, um, that's really unhealthy. And I was encouraged to hear before we started this segment, hearing from you guys about how the church is looking outside the four walls now at alternative ways of meeting and, and how that's um, a little closer to a Book of Acts model, which is, you know, it, it can't be a bad thing, right? But I, I, I just, I think, it, I think it's, uh, uh, I think it's, it's a terrible move of the UK government not to recognise the church is essential. We've got the same problem here. The church is an afterthought. We've had a Royal Commission into sexual abuse within the church over the last couple of years and the church's standing in society has been just demolished, you know. And so um, it really is a, a critical time in church history in the West, that's for sure. That's for sure. I think going back to that prophetic word or words that you had, one of the things that impacted me about it, and I should think with many others, is when you listen to it, you go, I can see that. I can see right. because often there's prophetic words and you're going, well, when is it? Well, maybe, yeah, it is. And, and you're looking for it or you're, or you're yeah. waiting for it. But this one, when you, when, you, when you hear it, you're going, I can see this. Yeah, you, we, we yeah. often say to people, when, when we're, people ask us what we do of our prophetic words, if people give us them, we say, well, look, we normally, we put them on the shelf and then we'll just wait and see what happens kind of thing. But with this, you hear it and go, nope, this is right now. 
And so yeah. I think that was, yeah. I don't know, you know, obviously God is in this. <laughs> God could send it flying like that. But to me, that was one of the impacting things that made it different from mm. many, many other prophecies that you hear was the mm. immediateness of it. Yeah, and the obviousness of it. You, you've got right. to run away and hide from it rather than feeling like the prophetic is hiding from you and you're waiting for it to be revealed. Does that make sense? Yes, I think uh, I think uh, the, the the genuine prophetic at that level should absolutely challenge us and should have that immediate aspect to it, where um, it, you know there's that aspect of um, foretelling the future that they talk about with prophecy, but there's also the foretelling of God's heart in a situation, and that's. It's more the latter, I believe, that that prophetic word was centred on, mm. that, that God is, is saying is saying to his church, you have to wake up now. It can't be next year. It can't be things are going to go back to normal. There is not going to be a normal what there was before. Um, and it's really critical how the church responds, I believe. Yeah. So you know, you gave that word, or God gave that word through you, you released it, not having a clue about the impact, and, and now it has gone viral. How is it for you now, when, when you, you sit and you look at what happened, <clears throat> excuse me, what happened, how is it for you? Um, there's two sides to it. In one sense, I'm... Um, so encouraged because it obviously resonated and struck a chord with so many people. So it gave me confidence that, yes, I had heard from the Lord. And I got stacks and stacks of um, emails and messages and Facebook posts and all, all that sort of stuff, particularly from intercessors in America saying, you've just put into words what God has been showing us in part. And um, so I was really encouraged by that. That was the, the good side of it. The um, potentially negative impact of it is that because you realise that if you say something in the future, there might be a lot more people listening to it, there's that um, temptation to second-guess yourself. Am I really hearing from, from the Lord? Um, it, you know, it's like there's an added sense of pressure around what is something that really is just a flow of the Holy Spirit through you. So I really had to just um, uh, deliberately centre myself in the Lord and just go, God, whatever you want to speak to me, I just want to be sure in my heart that that this is what you're saying. And because I've been growing in this for a long time, I do have a reasonably well-developed sense of that love of the Holy Spirit when he comes to me with whether it's an impression or a series of words or something that I actually see in the spirit I, I do recognize his flow when it comes and that gives me confidence to to release it but it's certainly um, kind of mind-blowing to think that a quarter of a million people would would pay any attention to anything that I had to say it's not certainly not something that I've ever experienced before and <laughs> Don't know whether I ever will in the future, but praise God, you know, he just he uses whoever he wants to use. Yeah, we have a, a friend who lives on the south coast of England. We were talking to him yesterday and uh, we asked him a similar question uh, because mm -hmm. he's one of these people that he's not very well known. 
but he's he's said a lot of things prophetically that have come to pass before and so he's one of the people that we look at um as a reliable right. voice um and we were talking to him and we said to him that recently we've had friends in different countries message us saying hey have you heard this and then when they let us know about it we find out it's our friend from the south coast and his name is starting to pop up <laughs> in different places right. we said this to him uh -huh. and he goes well that's really nice to hear um but it also puts the fear of god in me that you know like you said <laughs> that increased pressure to be to be consistent yes. and reliable in the future <laughs> yes that's right you don't want to be labeled a false prophet <laughs> no <laughs> but the, there was one thing you said that was a key that also our friend chris said that you didn't say it but you showed it you were accountable with that word you sent it to a friend in america or i think you said no a friend in australia a friend, uh, a, a, a friend here in australia who when i when i um told him um I didn't really know what to do with it. It just came up in conversation. And because uh, he said to me, look, this is actually a governmental level prophetic word. It needs to, you need to release it publicly. Um, so um, that uh, accountability is, in, is important, I believe. And um, I, I believe anybody in ministry has to be accountable to somebody. I have somebody that I'm accountable to where I said to them, you have the right to ask me any question you like with the expectation that I will answer you truthfully. And that to me is like the ultimate accountability where, and, and because that particular person is so gifted prophetically, I think they'd probably know if I tried to put one over them. <laughs> well, Not that I would, but yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> accountability is a high value for us as a ministry on multiple levels. We have accountability as, as a team. I mean, I have an hour's accountability a week. No matter where I am in the globe, I will get up at three in the morning in order to keep that. Um, but, right. but I think where that goes wrong sometimes and again it's revealed in what you say is people come and say i am going to hold you accountable accountability is given it is not taken and that you yeah, said i right. have said to him you can and um our bottom line for accountability is will you always tell us exactly what you think if we don't do it and we get in a mess will you still be there to help us out <laughs> <laughs> yes that's important too. Yeah. yeah. Personally, at the various levels of accountability that we have, I cannot think of one time where I have not done or listened to or complied with or take notice of something that somebody I've asked me to hold them accountable to. So I think yeah. that's a huge, huge value. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Uh, yeah so lots of clues john in what you have said he who has ears to hear let him hear what you have said because to me there have been many many small things you have said which i can see why god would have trusted you with that word mm. um mm. I'm, I'm not saying you're the only one on the planet he could have done but he, he chose you and i think there are many dynamics in what you have said that god says i can, I can trust him with this word 
Wow, that's an encouragement to me. <laughs> that really is. Yeah. In this moment, so he's certainly saying, well done, good and faithful servant to you, because ah. um, I think sometimes people see these words go out, and I think it's good for them to meet the man who God chose to use. And I think that mm. is, that is, I was going to say, more significant than the word. It, that is so often why the word is is significant not always but i think you know one of the benefits of this podcast has been for people to hear your heart and and you know in a very limited way meet you Um, Mm. that's what touches me so i'll I'll take this one step let's take this back to the beginning almost before we finish that hearing god's voice being a lifestyle um, you know, we're we're called generation to generation, so we're all about empowering the next generation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, you know, people say, I think, have this conception that you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, born again, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, before you can hear the voice of God, or they think you've got to be a certain age to hear the voice of God. And I have a lovely example of a boy who was probably about ten years old. And, and he was as unchurched as you get unchurched. His family was in a big mess in all dynamics. And he'd never stepped foot inside the church. And, and he was standing in the hallway of our house. And I just said to him, I said, ask Jesus how much he loves you. And he just closed his eyes and in for about two seconds. And he just went, I know. And I said, what did he say to you? And he said, he said this. He said, Jesus told me, he loves me more than I need water. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's there is awesome. a sermon and a half. And so that moment, yeah. you know, I, when I tell people, it breaks every conception and, and legalistic and rules and regulations about what we must do. And we have a God who's just wanting to speak to us, saved and unsaved alike. And, and yeah. you know, to, have, to, to bring people through in that, I think, is transformational. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, not that, that's so precious that a, a a young child who's completely unchurched and all the rest of it just being led into that place where they're opening themselves up to hear from Jesus in that way. Um, that's really beautiful, and the I guess the other side of it, which is humorous in a way, is that if God can speak through a donkey. Don't you think we're more valuable than a donkey when you think about Balaam in the Old Testament? So um, he promises relationship with us and relationship is never one way. If it's one way, it's not a relationship. So, yeah, it's it's really important. When he speaks, it's short, straight to the point, and in a few words, it is transforming in a way that sometimes a sermon never would be. And, And when I am discipling people, one of the foundations is um, before I see them again, they have to have heard from God every day. I mean, that is a stipulation and they have to come back with it written down. And um, I remember an instance where a lady, she was depressed. She was in a terrible state. And, and the the, in the, birth, the more they're in a state, the more I'm insistent they need to hear from God. And she uh. came into where I was and she was crying. She said, I haven't been able to hear from God. I can't hear from God. And I just said to her, I said, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. So you can hear from yeah. God. I said, go down yeah. to that room down there. 
and I will come to you in a minute and see what he said to you. I didn't turn her away. I said, go and listen. Uh, when I went back to the room after about 15 minutes, she was beaming from ear to <laughs> ear. And she said, look what yeah. he said, look what he said. And I thought uh, I could have spent six weeks with that woman and not got that result. Whereas uh, first the demand that she hears from heaven before me, uh, actually, as 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 people who disciple and help people, we are actually cutting down our workload because God will do it far <laughs> Yeah, that's it. You get a word from the Lord and it's worth probably six months of counselling for a start. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a beautiful example too, yeah. It is. So we love you, John. We, we hope that we can meet you again. We have. It was such a joy to to know that we were going to talk with you and, and I'll go back to that moment on Mount Carmel because we have had many Mount Carmel moments. Every time we take a trip, we always pray over the emerging generation there, but there was something very special. And whenever we're back up there, I remember you praying over them and so uh, thankful for that and so thankful that all those young people will never forget that, you know, as we <laughs> sent them in the spirit of Elijah to go and prepare the way for the king. So thank you for that. <laughs> it was, oh, it was we, a privilege. Before we finish, I just want to check if you saw something because I saw this video and thought this is classic Australian. Um, did you see the video? Was it? I think it was your prime minister, and he he was. Uh, what, who, what's your prime minister's name? Scott Morrison. And he he was doing a video. There was press, and they were doing something, and they were standing on this guy's lawn in his garden. Do you see this? <laughs> And yes, uh, I, saw it. Got, I don't know. And the guy get off my lawn, get off my grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, he just laid all his turf on his front lawn, and the prime minister decided he was going to have a press conference. And in most countries, of all, they go, Oh, it's the prime minister, but not in Australia. It's like, Mate, what are you doing on my lawn? Get off. <laughs> I saw that video. I saw that. It was a crack up. I was laughing so hard. I said, yeah, if I didn't know and I saw that video, I'd be like, that has to be Australia. That has to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> for, for those um, that haven't seen your prophetic words, I'll put the links to part one and two in the description so people oh, awesome. can see that. Um, as well, I'll put, if you have a website or something where people can go and check out what you're doing, uh, I'll put that in the description box as well. Uh, but did you want to say something? Well, else? I just wanted to throw a little advert out there, really. That we have a book called Living with Jesus, which is actually for parents to help their children hear the voice of God. So you may like oh, to okay. check out our website or, or anybody to help the next generation hear the voice of God. And it includes many of the dynamics that you just said. So if people are really interested right. in that, they can head to our website and get one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Oh, go on, carry on. I don't know. I was just going to say if you if uh, you wanted to people if you wanted to point people to um, uh, our church, it's um, openheavenchurch.org.au, um, and we're on YouTube on our Open Heaven Church YouTube channel. And for our ministry, man, Kerry's ministry, it's Kingdom Reign. That's R E I G N dot org dot au. Um, if people are interested in that, but certainly. Um, yeah, uh, those putting those links up to those two prophetic words would I think I think would encourage people greatly. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Oh no worries. 
look, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you um, as well that you're a voice who's risen up for such a time as this uh, to speak to the, to um, what's happening in the US, but even to the nations as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's been really good to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks, John. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Daphne. God bless you guys. And we will meet again sometime soon, I'm sure. Thank you for listening. If this impacted you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.